cool. So thank you so much for coming to Adoption Story. This is Emily Rogers and we have Elliot as our guest speaker. So thank you so much for doing this. This is awesome. And you're the first person. I'm so stoked. So, Super exciting. Yeah. Um, so my first question, just kind of to jump into it, is how old were you when you were adopted? Um, I was six months old when I was adopted from South Korea. And did you, they flew you in? They, no, like your parents didn't pick you up, right? Right, yeah. My parents, uh, they flew me in with a social worker. At the time, Korea, I think for the most part, they really wanted parents to come, like, pick up their child and, like, be with them for a little bit. Like, now that's, I think, the law. But back then, my parents couldn't, because they had already had three kids, so they couldn't make the time to come over. So I was flown over by a, with a social worker. Oh, wow. I did not know that. So wait, is that the, do you know if that's the rule now? To where they have I'm to pretty... Don't quote me, but I'm pretty sure that is a rule now that you do have to go to the, at least with Korea, I believe you have to go to Korea as like the adoptive parents like twice, like once to like get it started and visit their home country and stuff. And then you have to go and pick up their oh, kid now. I had. No I would double check that with people, but I'm pretty sure that's what I've learned recently is the yeah, new you've situation. Done, you've done a lot more with like in regards to researching because you have recently found your biological dad, was that it? Correct, yes. And yeah. that was just in the last, what, like two years? Oh, God, when did I find him? Yeah, two, well, actually, found him 2017, 2018, yeah, two, three years now. Wow. Yeah, which is crazy. Time's flown, man. Yes. And was that your first time back to Korea? No, my first time back to Korea was about a year before. So about four years ago. No, yeah, okay. So I met my biological father as of this April, three years ago. So then four years ago was my first time back to Korea. Um, I went with my friend Hannah Jewell, who was also a Korean adoptee, and she'd been back before, and she was actually moving back to Korea to do an intensive language program. So it was really nice to have someone I trusted and a good friend of mine to, like, show me around. Um, and... Yeah, just like someone who understood the whole like, <laughs> I guess, emotional process of yeah. going back to Korea to like your birth country for the first time. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting, right? Like when you look Korean, but you don't speak it and everyone expects you to. Yeah, yeah. I think um, at first it was like this really cool feeling that no one was just assuming that like, I don't know, I didn't speak English or like just like all those things that you kind of get like, in America, like, just, you know, those kind of, like, looks and stuff, and, like, they're, like, at, for the first couple of days, like, I look like everyone, no one's uh -huh. questioning who I am, or, like, that I'm Korean or something, and then it kind of started to kick in when I, like, have to go order things, like, oh, yeah. you know, at a, I usually made my friend do it, because I was too embarrassed, like, I don't speak yeah. Korean, but I'm Korean. Yeah, so then, but, in, so then in America, like, where has that happened? Because, like, I have a few instances recently to where they just stared at me and like disbelief, like Koreans stared at me in disbelief. Yeah, it, it, it honestly happened a lot like in Korean restaurants, like in here, like, cause I live in Oregon, like, so I live in Eugene or like I've worked at Asian restaurants before. So people would like give me like weird looks, especially if I, when I was working at a Vietnamese restaurant and Japanese restaurant, they get like really confused. Or, like, a lot of people, like, who would seem really nice would be, like, really nice. I'm like, oh, this person's really nice. And then they're like, your English is really good. I'm like, oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. So, I'm like, yeah. <sighs> so, I'm just like, yeah, well, you know, 
I was like raised here and like I'm adopted like and this one guy was like after I said that he's like yeah yeah that's like great like I was like okay he's gonna walk away and he's like you know your English can always improve and I'm like oh, oh it's my, my only language no way no yeah way. yeah so, wait, so did he just think that because you're not you're born in Korea and you look Korean that your English is just gonna be bad I think so I mean I get I've had that assumption a lot before oh it's, my god yeah, or I think a lot of people also, like, get confused as us being, like, transracial adoptees. Like, when we're with our, typically, you know, white families. Like, yeah. I remember I was at the grocery store with my sister and my dad, and we were saying dad, like, you yeah. know, like a family would. And the cashier was like, oh, how are you two liking it here? And we thought, like, she thought that, like, we just moved here or something. And, like, because I was, like, in, like, high school, and I, like, was kind of naive. And I was like, I don't know. It's fine. Like, I've lived here my whole life. It's like, oh, you're not exchange students. And my dad just, like, looked at her, and we're like, no and she's like oh you know it's kind of hard to tell these days and I'm like no it's really not and I've been saying dad this whole time but I'm like okay it's so interesting when people only go by their eyes and there's no there's no right. nothing else is happening they're only judging with what they see and can't get back totally and, and I feel bad for my sister one of my sisters she's also a Korean adoptee she's three years older than me and she has a kid and sometimes when she's out with my dad, like grocery shopping or something, people think that they're like a couple and that's their kid. No. Cause you know, that whole, like, yeah. So yeah, <laughs> she's always like, oh, you will not believe what happened in the grocery store. My dad's like so embarrassed by it. I'm like, oh no. That, I mean, that used to happen with my brother. Like we, mm. when I lived in New York with like, you know, with him and we go out to eat, it was clearly people thought that we were dating and it was like constantly trying to like say these words or being like oh yeah well my brother and then like point to him mm, you know what I mean like totally it's, like, it's such a different public interaction when you're with your family it's like you you're hyper aware of it because other make other people make you feel weird it makes you feel weird Totally. It's like, I think something as, you know, being a camp counselor, like for adoptee camps, it's like kind of like people, like we always discuss, like, I never feel adopted until like I'm in public or someone mentions it to me. Cause you know, like I'm with my family and of course this doesn't go for every adoptee, but like for me, and I think a lot of people, it's just like, they're my family. And then until someone points it out to me, or it's so obvious and people like look at you or like, yeah. cause you know, you kind of know what that look is. Oh yeah. Um, then it's just kind of like, Oh, yep I'm adopted thanks for pointing that out to me you know yeah I mean that's definitely I mean I remember being at this restaurant and I mean the town was predominantly white and I just remember I walked in and the entire restaurant just stopped eating I mean it was like you could hear a pin drop really? and they just stared and my dad and clearly like you know as you know we get that kind of a lot. Like there's, there's staring that happens. And it was the first time that my dad had ever recognized or saw firsthand that this is alive and well, that people just can't help themselves but stare. And he, it was a, like coming to Jesus moment for him for sure. But yeah, those moments, it's like, it, it's so painfully apparent that you're different constantly, yeah. constantly constantly yeah so because it's like also like with you know like like you said like our families like when people like point it out it's so obvious and then also like as a korean adoptee when i'm within like the korean community it becomes so apparent too because like oh i should be able to fit in here right but then it's like well you don't speak korean so you're not really korean or like 
they like kind of like pity you because you didn't grow up in a Korean household so then you're like stuck in between like I don't fit in with like white people because I'm obviously not white but I try to fit in with my Korean culture but I'm not really Korean enough for them so it's like I don't really know what groups I belong to yeah for sure I mean in high school I remember like my closest best friends I mean it was just a hodgepodge it was a bunch of us that Mm. were all kind of different You know, it was like hormones are already raging and confusing at that age, you know, 14, 15. And I just remember, you know, my school, a lot of the people hung out with their own race. A lot of it was Mm -hmm. like you had like you had an Asian group and then you had a white group. And it was like I again, like you said, when you try to go hang out with other Koreans or whatever that are, you know, Korean Americans, like first generation or whatever, you, you actually can't really relate. You can only relate with your face and your body and like your every this physical. But besides mm-hmm. that, it's like you said earlier, it's like, you know, your only language is English. Yep. Like, there's, yeah. if that's not testament to our nationality and like the confusing what we should be or where we should be at, yeah, it's a weird place to be in. Not totally. So how was like, how was, did you grow up in Oregon? I did, yeah. So I, when I was adopted at six months, uh, my family originally lived in Bend, but I think it was like six months or so later, we moved to Salem, Oregon, which is the capital, um, because my dad took a job there and I grew up there. And then um, I moved out of the house a year after high school. I took a gap year and I moved down to Eugene. Um, Yeah. Wait, is that when I met you? Yeah, I lived in Eugene when I met you. That was, I think, that was the first, actually the first couple of months I lived in Eugene is when I met you. Okay, so that was like your first year out of the house. That was like, yes. oh wow. How yeah. that? How'd that go? It was great. Um, <laughs> I'm a very independent person and my relationship with my parents is like, a billion times better. Oh yeah. I think like my mom and I are both both very stubborn people. So like we don't back down from like our stances. So it just turns into this whole really bad situation where we're both wrong and we're both right at the same time. So it's kind of like like when I the reason I moved out is because we got into this really bad argument. She's like, you know, you're 18, you can move out. And so I like literally went on Craigslist that day and found an apartment and I went down and I signed a sublease and I was like, yeah. moving out tomorrow. Mom's like, oh I didn't mean it. And I'm like well, maybe it's the best. I mean, it's for the best. Like it, like within a couple of weeks, you know, everything had just improved because like, you know, you're not with them 24 seven. Like for sure. I was 18. Like I was like, I'm independent. I'm an adult, quote unquote, you know, like <laughs> I can do whatever I want. So it was good to get out. And then you learned real fast what being an adult meant. Oh, it's yeah. It's not fun, you know, paying bills <laughs> and rent. And then it's like, oh yeah, there's utilities. And then oh, there's my phone bill and there's car insurance and yeah yeah that's a pretty that's a fast you man um so you also said and I didn't know this that you have an older sister who's adopted yes so I actually have three older sisters and um two are biological to my parents and then one is a Korean adoptee as well like me and then are you the youngest I am yes so then that's so crazy I mean that's so I mean how do you guys ever talk about being adopted together? Not really. My sister is kind of the 
I guess, on the other side of the adoptee spectrum where she doesn't really talk about it. She's like, it is what it is. You know, this is my family. I don't really have any interest in Korean culture or like finding my birth parents, which is totally fine and valid. So it's, it was just an interesting upbringing because usually when, um, you know, I met other adoptees and they did have other adopted siblings, they would like kind of band together in a sense and they'd always talk about it. But for me, it was very like, we didn't really talk about it that much. Like my parents were open to talking about things, but like it wasn't until probably like my junior, senior of high school is when I really started thinking about like my adoptee identity and like my racial identity. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I was 25. Mine came a lot later. And yeah, I was 25 years old when it started really hitting me that like, I just didn't really know who I was. And like, mm. clearly like, I feel like 25 is still really young to like, no one can really know themselves. But for me, I just felt very lost. And that was something where I was like, you know, I've never explored being adopted. I've never explored being a Korean American. And I was on the same side as her sister to where I was just kind of like, oh no, it's all good. Nope, it's all good. And then when I went to Holt camp with you and saw all of these people that were adopted, that were seriously, I mean, so, so similar so like the stories how they felt different getting made fun of at school like that kind of stuff I had never been around people that I felt so close to and mm. that was super eye-opening and I honestly feel like if I had had that back in high school it might have helped like feeling just a little more centered you know what I mean totally totally and I think I mean, I went to whole camp since I was nine and I think that did help me a lot, but it, it, I don't know what my life would have been like if I didn't have whole camp, like being, you know, surrounded by adoptees at least once a year to like, I don't think I consciously thought about the things you're talking about. Like, you know, like, oh, people have the same feelings as me. They have, they've gone through the same experiences and the hardships and stuff of being an adoptee, transgressional adoptee. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know what, it would have been like not having that. And I think I'm really fortunate to have been able to do that and to have had access to an adoptee community. I mean, that was, again, like, you know, being 25, it's completely different state of mind. Like being, you know, had already lived in New York and Los Angeles and all this stuff, like, like mm -hmm. being independent mm -hmm. and alone and all other kind of stuff and going to see kids, you know, like seeing 10 year olds talk mm -hmm. about, um, getting made fun of, like hearing the same things that I had heard as a kid. And it was like, honestly, like hearing that was almost like a wound had just completely reopened. And it's like mm. something I never dealt with. You know what I mean? Mm. I like kept covering it up with a Band-Aid. And realizing that like, there are people that have had the same kind of pain that I had as a kid was crazy. Like, it's just, you know, I think I've said this before, but, you know, when you're younger and you always go home to a white family and you always go home to people that don't look like you, it does something. It makes you feel just not necessarily normal. It makes you feel like an outsider. And you kind of carry that with you every single day into every single relationship that you have. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Were you going to say totally. something? Totally. No, no, I'm disagreeing with you. It's just, it's, I never really thought about it 
that way. Like, I guess I did like maybe subconsciously, but you're right. Like, you know, you're coming home every day growing up to a white family, to a white community and it really impacts you. And then, especially when you also add into that, like we don't have any representation in the media. And if it is, it's like these negative stereotypes or reinforcing the model minority myth. And so it's never like, you never see people who look like us who are like the lead, the star, they're normal. They're (laughs) the ones saving the day. They're always like the weird geeks or like the understudies or like they're the extras that no one cares about or they're made fun of the whole time. So I'm like, why would I ever feel normal if I never see it in my community or on TV, you know? I mean, that was, I remember, I think it was, God, sixth or seventh grade. And I think it was Mad TV. They had an Asian uh, comedian on there. And they had this one act there where, like, he was really good at math. And it was, like, kind of poking fun of that, like, racial stereotype. But it also totally reinforced that stereotype. And I just remember kind of, it was the first time I'd seen it. The first time I'd seen the math stereotype. And purposefully stopped doing my homework when I was 11 or 12 years old to make myself Mm. not be good at it because I was so sick and tired of a you know seeing that and realizing that was a thing and then b I used to get asked all these questions like hey we should copy Emily's homework because she's Asian and so I would stop doing my homework because of it and to this day I'm horrible at math I'm so bad at it and I should have studied. Math is an awful subject, honestly. <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> like, yeah, I wish I was good at it. It'd be really cool if I was good at it. But yeah, I mean, that literally impacted my education from this like racial stereotype. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it was like that deep where it was like being that hyper aware of it. So, um, but yeah, when, when did you realize or find out that you were adopted you know I've thought about this question a lot I don't really know I think I always knew um so my family when I was younger we celebrated gotcha day which was my adoption day which now I really prefer if we just call it adoption day because I don't like the term gotcha yeah Um, Because I was like, you know, the connotations like we got you and like weird anyways, but I think because of that and, you know, being in a super white community and my family kind of talked about it, I think I always knew that I was adopted. Right. I can't ever remember a specific time where like, oh, I'm adopted or questioning what, you know, my role or place was in the family. So I think I always knew. Yeah. I feel like with international adoptees, that's a lot, um, that's more common because we just clearly don't look the same and that's confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, I kind of have the same thing where it was like, I, was, I like, I just remember looking into a mirror and like seeing my mom brushing my hair and just being like, why don't I look like you? You know what I mean? Like, and that was it, mm-hmm. but it's going to be interesting talking to like, you know, domestic adoptees. Like, I mean, I've heard stories of families lying to their kids their whole life where the kid oh, yeah and that's like I mean can you imagine I don't yeah I I think that's just 
crazy that adoptive parents lie to their kids because they think in a way that they're protecting them, but really it's damaging them. And the more, the longer that you, the, the more you prolong like your lies, it's just inevitable that the truth will most likely come out and there'll just be more resentment for it. For sure. For sure. I mean, like, there's, yeah, there's, there's a feeling. I feel like that. I feel like it's impossible to get away from when you're adopted. And it's like this really soft kind of sadness. There's this feeling of, it's just like, it's just there. You just have this more mature feeling of sadness that sits inside of you. And it's like from, it's from the trauma of being taken away from your birth mother and all the other kind of stuff. And it's like, cause that's like legitimate trauma. And when I feel like with parents that do choose to not tell their children that they're adopted, I think it's so much more confusing. Like I feel like those adoptees must feel like they're crazy or there's something Mm -hmm. wrong with them, but they just constantly feel like they're missing something. And it's like, that's, I think that was kind of the thing that came for me when I was 25 was that feeling of like something's missing and I just need to figure out what it is and really searching out for my adoptee identity really helped bring like close, not closure entirely, but like understanding, you know? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I just back to the whole parents, like hiding things from their kids just really angers me you know like working at Holt camp for so long like you know there's the wide range of you know how adoptive parents respond to the you know the plethora of things that adoptees have like can I if I have a file you know can I look at it or like I have questions about this or I'm kind of curious about like finding my biological family and there's some parents who are like overboard over the top invested in doing that and then there's parents on the exact opposite spectrum like we've been talking about like try to hide everything and it's really frustrating when I hear kids talk about like oh my parents don't want me to find my biological family because they think that it's you know that they don't want to be with us or like oh they don't want me to look at my file or I'm 18 but they like lost it or like things like that that they just like lose the small piece of information like that you know like you know our files are minuscule like there's like nothing in them yeah I don't know what it is for like adoptees now like who are you know adopted in the 2000s and stuff but like my information came on one piece of paper like that's all I have and so for parents to hide that and to do that it just really it's just angering because it's like this is all that your child has to cling on to to their culture to their you know their formal life and stuff like that and it's just yeah it's just you frustrating you got one sheet of paper well, I mean, I got like a file, but it was mainly like medical records yeah. that have been like, you know, um, what's the word? Um, the inks, it's faded. So I can't really read a lot of it. Or right. there's like photos, I guess, kind of lots of like just adoption paperwork. But really like the only important thing to me was the single sheet of paper that was like, this is the information on your birth mother, birth father, like their height, their their weight, their occupation, and your story behind it. And I was lucky because all of it was filled in. I mean, I know now that part of it's not true, but like, I mean, it's, 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 it's a piece of paper. That piece of paper for me was up on my wall, like my whole Mm. life. 
Mm. I taped it next to my bed my whole life. Um, probably gonna start crying here in a second. Um, but that piece of paper meant everything to me for a long yeah. time. Because, um, you know, we get asked a lot, <clears throat> like, well, do you know what happened? Or... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So do you know what it's happened? It's such an invasive, que invasive questions. Like, what gives you the right to ask me something that personal? It's, and that's, and it's interesting because it's, like you said, it is invasive. And it's this question where it's like, it's the one thing that I actually have about my mm. past and you want access to it. And it's like, it's really personal. Like I, you know what I mean? It's like, and also it's not like I can tell you because I don't know. And like you even said, it's like, as you know, now some of that was wrong. It wasn't true. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we are literally given such minimal information about all that stuff. And, you know, another huge reason I wanted to talk to you is because you had, I'm not sure of all the details, but I mean, you found your biological father mm -hmm. and did you search for your mother as well? I did. Yeah. So I started my birth search when I was 18 because at the time that's the legal age you could search for your birth families in Korea. Um, it took a long time because, well, I found out, so... Okay, sorry. Let me go back. So I started the birth search when I was 18 and I didn't hear anything for like a long time. And I just assumed that like nothing was coming out of it or they hadn't started it yet. When I was going back to Korea the first time, I was trying to contact them and I'm like, can I set up an appointment with you so I could visit the whole office in Korea, the post adoption services um, department in Korea and no one was getting back to me. So I asked Steve Kalb, who I'd known for a long time, who's the head of post adoption services in the in a whole international here in the US if he could maybe help set up an appointment and they weren't getting back to him either, which he thought was super strange. Mm -hmm. And yes, they, there's only a couple social workers in Korea that work in the post adoption service that, so, you know, service like 200,000 adoptees. Oh, wow. But so I finally went there and um, they're like, Oh, come back later. We can get an appointment in for you. And the social worker was like, Oh yeah, we knew that you've been like, we seen your emails and stuff, but like, we just haven't had time to get back to you. And so she like sat me down and she's like, yeah, so we sent out telegrams about a year ago, but we didn't get any response. And then I was like, okay, well, why wasn't I notified of this? And I guess like a few weeks after I had filed, like Korea passed a law saying that like they have to get, they have to respond to birth search requests within a certain amount of time. So because all of these birth search requests were coming in after that law was set, everyone before was put like on the back yeah, so I was there, I searched, they sent out some telegrams, no responses for either my birth mother or birth father. Um, and then I, like there's, it's confusing because there's technically a rule that they can only send out the messages, like the telegrams three times before they close your case. Yeah. But I don't think that's true. I don't know, I've gotten so many different responses from like people who work in the industry whether that's true or not, they're like, oh, I guess it's true, but not really. Um, so I went back to Korea a second time about, oh God, maybe like eight months later. And I didn't hear anything. They sent out the last telegram, which I didn't authorize. And I was really upset about it because I was like, if this is the case, then like, I don't have any other chances. Um, so I actually, a few days after I get back from Korea, I get an email from a social worker at Holt saying that my birth father had gotten the message and responded and wanted to 
you know, communicate. And I was like really shocked. I was like, of course this happened as soon as I left Korea. <laughs> um, like, great. Um, so it was like, it was really crazy because, um, I don't know, just like knowing that like my birth father responded, which I was never expecting yeah, my birth sure. father to respond. Usually like, it's like the birth mother. Totally. Um, and so I, t- I asked my friend who is a Korean adoptee, who's, I don't know, I, I would say fluent in Korean to translate for me because I didn't trust the translators um, at Holt as well as like, I didn't want the delay of like, oh, them getting it, them having to translate it, getting it to them. I didn't want it to be weeks to get like, you know, a response and so we started messaging and then one morning I just get this text he's like oh like I got a passport I got a ticket I'll see you next week and at that time my friend wasn't translating I had to use google translate so I'm like this has to be wrong and it was true and so he flew to Oregon the next week with his best friend. Oh my God. And he got here on my birthday, which is surreal, but I was so stressed. Like the entire week, I like, I was like in this like survival mode. I don't know what, I was just, I don't know. I was so stressed out because it's like, I wasn't expecting this. I thought we'd maybe message every now and then. Maybe oh, I'd meet what? him in a couple years, but like, no. Yeah. Way. Yeah. It was crazy. So did he, and he meant to come on your birthday. That was like the plan. I guess so. I mean, it happened to be when I got, so I got the response from my social worker that he had, you know, received the message on a communication. It was a couple of weeks before my birthday. So either he planned that or it was kind of just more that's coincidence as well. Crazy. I mean, yeah. that's like birthdays are a pretty big deal. I think for adoptees, it's like a pretty yeah. big time for reflection. Um, that's crazy I totally didn't even know he came to America yeah it was crazy and like luckily for me I live in Eugene which is where the Holt office for the United States like the main branch is right and so I was lucky to have um like Steve Cal who I'd known since childhood like hey would you be able to mediate like our meeting along with the translator because I wanted someone I trusted um and that was really nice. And you know, both Caitlin Howe, who was on the panel with us, and Caitlin Marks, who was the director at the time, yeah. they were, you know, we're friends. So they were able to like, you know, talk with me and then like, just be with me that day. And so it was just really nice. It was really stressful. <laughs> wow. So then if you like, I mean, did you hear anything from your mother? Yeah. So I heard back from my biological mother, um, about a month before for my birth father. So it was about a few weeks before I went back to Korea for the second time. And I guess her husband had intercepted the message at first, no which way. which is as for people who don't know, like in Korea, like single mothers or children born out of wedlock are like this huge taboo, like super, like not even just like maybe America, like 50 years ago, like it's so taboo, like it would destroy your life. And the fact that she now has a new family, like it would easily just call for divorce and like, you know, shunned. And so when I first read that line, like, oh, okay, well, that's not going to go well, you know? And so she had contacted the social worker and said, like, she had never expected to hear from me. Yeah. Which I thought was a little strange because she put correct information on, like, my file about, like, Korea's version of social security number, past address, full name, including (laughs) my birth father's, which in Korea, usually, like, people, like, 
change the last number of yeah. their like you know quote unquote social security number and they like lie about part of it so they can't be found yeah so that to me was like i don't know unless she was so naive that like well if if you don't mind me asking how old was she 18 yeah so i don't know i'm a little like okay but she said that she like is glad to hear that like i'm doing well but like she can't have contact and so I was messaging my social worker back. I was like, "Did you, can you at least call her to ask for like a picture or for like medical information? Yeah, that's a big one. And the social worker, oh, I did. And I'm like, okay. And she's like, oh, she said no, which is kind of hard for me to believe that she wouldn't at least give medical information over the phone. You know, like, is there any major like illnesses in the family? I just felt like the social worker wasn't actually asking those questions because I've had so many issues with the social workers in Holt Korea at Holt Children's Services in Korea before that I felt like they were lying to me because huh. I'd known other adoptees who had been lied to about the process. Huh. So I was just, I guess that's also why I asked my friend to do the translating for me because I didn't trust it. Yeah. Because yeah. also like in my um, US file, like that paper we were talking about, the English version, and then I got the Korean version and the translations were not even like close to being accurate. It wasn't like, oh, there's, you know, like just differences in like, English versus Korean so like the translation's weird it was like there's just different information on both of them crazy so huh yeah well my file I mean it's so funny like let me go pull out my file not talk to my parents about my birth I have to go look at a piece of paper I'm gonna get a translator seriously seriously (laughs) it's 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 just like weird the different things that like Uh are normal for us oh yeah I mean, you're talking about medical. I mean, that's the biggest, <clears throat> that's the biggest thing. It's like you go to a doctor. Do you have a family history of breast cancer? I have no idea. I have no oh, idea. Especially like when you go to a new doctor and they always make you do those new patient intake forms and there's like pages of medical yeah. questions. And I'm like, I don't know. And they're like, oh, you didn't fill it out. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, well, how do you not know? And I'm like, I'm adopted. Like that dude, it's so funny. Like, <laughs> I feel like I probably say I'm adopted at least once a day. Um, I really do think I might say it once a day. Um, I also got like, I'm married and now, which is actually like when I met you, I was not married. Um, and Wait, you got married? <laughs> I did not, congratulations. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got married and like our wedding was supposed to be during COVID and then COVID happened. So we had to cancel. Well, we okay. got married at the courthouse. Okay. So yeah, um, wasn't some big deal. Um, but it's funny cause he's white. And so I get a lot of questions like, oh, so is Rogers your, is, wait, they, no, they ask, what was your maiden name? And I'm like, Rogers, Rogers is my maiden name. And they're like, oh, mm. sorry. I just thought, I was like, no, I know I'm adopted. <laughs> like, no, yeah. it's that very confusing. Like when people see my name and then see my face. Yeah, like when teachers do the roll call or substitutes, like, and they like double take because you don't have a name that matches your face, so it's just like they just have to look at you. Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. I mean, it's the const, it's the constant. It's that. It's a. It's like the going back to the going to a house where you don't look like people and that kind of thing. I feel like it's the constant reiterating of, I'm adopted. I'm adopted. I'm adopted. I'm adopted. Where it's like, it's that, it totally builds up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then you just mm-hmm. have to carry it with you. But um, yeah, dude, it's pretty, I mean, would you adopt? 
Oh, that is a loaded question. Um, that question, by the way, is always banned at like the whole adoptee panels. Oh, um, it? yeah, because it just it it just backs every adoptee into a corner, no matter what the response is from like, because parents like there's going to be different. Like I was asked that once on a panel. It was it was a year or two before I met you, and they asked us if we would ever adopt, and all three of us said no. Oh, really? And a couple of the parents got like furious. Really? They were like, they went into some political stances. And the three of us were like, we, we just personally don't want to. And she's like, oh, well, because you're saying because like how you felt growing up as an adoptee, like blah, blah, blah. And we just were like, we just don't want to. And I don't want to have to continue explaining myself while you're like throwing all these like very political stances at us and then some other parents got up and started yelling at the other parents like they yeah. can say whatever they want to say and yeah that's crazy. anyways I I've thought about this a lot because for the longest time I was like no I'm not adopting um but like as a gay male I don't really have any other <laughs> options <laughs> like I, I mean like right exactly I, I mean I guess I could go like some other routes like donors and like stuff but like that's like expensive but then I also hate talking about like when I'm thinking about wanting children it always comes into money and I don't want to talk like that because it like <laughs> brings me into this businessy aspect of adoption you know right um but I, I I honestly don't know like I really want kids but I also like I don't know it's it's huh. it's kind of just been this question that I'm always like I don't know what to do and I haven't really reached that crossroads yet because I, I don't want to be a single parent, but right. you know, I'm you single right now. <laughs> yes, but I have kids and I, I'm, I'm young. So obviously, you know, that Fine. can change like me not being single, but it's, <laughs> it's, yeah, I don't know. It's just this question, like every now and then, like, especially like with that, when I'm with my nephew, um, it's just like, oh my God, like I love kids and I want kids, but also like, and then it also brings into that question like do I want to adopt or what I want to foster and then adopt or do I want to adopt a baby or do I want to go with yeah. like you know any other routes like donors like you know getting a surrogate yeah. and things like that but then it's like well then if that surrogate's not going to be part of their life in a way that kind of it's plays into the role of adoption because yeah. like oh I don't know about one of my parents I just you know right have their DNA it's so, I mean, that's just so interesting. I did not realize that, yeah, I mean, because that is actually the only way that I would want to have kids is adoption. Mm. The only way. I don't want to have my own kid. Like, mm. and that, that might also come from knowing my birth, like knowing what happened with my birth mother and all that other kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. It didn't go well. It was really, really bad. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's also kind of a way to just like stop that line <laughs> to just be like, I see. like, no, 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 you're not going to keep going. It's going to end mm -hmm. with, we're done, you know? And I guess it's also just kind of like, if anyone knows how to relate to an adoptee, it's going to be someone who's been adopted. So yeah. it's like, that would make sense to me. Do you know what I mean? It's also the only thing I know. Oh, oh, totally. And I, I've had conversations with, about this with other adoptees. Like, as adoptees, we would honestly be some of the 
best fit people to adopt adoptees. Um, but, yeah. But it's, yeah, but then, like, also, like, my mind is, like, well, then, like, if I adopted a kid, and they'd be, like, oh, well, like, if you went through all these things, why would you put that on me? Like, right. I've just thought about all these, like, scenarios, like, having a kid and, like, their arguments with me. Um, <laughs> I know that's, like, crazy to think, but I'm always just, like, what are they going to say to me when they're, like, 13 oh, or, like, my God. 18? Quite the planner. Um, Quite the right, planner. because, like, I was not the greatest kid. Like, yeah, I got good grades and stuff like that, but, like, oof, I always picked a fight with my parents. Really? Oh, oh, yeah. My parents could tell you all, well, more of my mom would tell you all these stories about us just, like, constantly arguing. Like, we constantly argued. Like, it was never, like, like, I wasn't the kid that went out and, like, did drugs and, like, alcohol and, like, things like that. Like, you know, I was always home on time. I had a job. I did extracurriculars, like, but we just argued, like, all the time, like, Your sister? all the time. It, huh? Did your sister do the same thing? Uh, um, so all three of my sisters and I have very different ways we interacted with my parents. Like, my oldest sister was a drug addict, yeah. so that was, of course, very different, and then the next sister down, um, she just felt very, like, not heard and validated by my parents because she was so close in age to my oldest sister that like there was always like this bullying kind of feud between the two of them and then my next sister down who's the Korean adoptee she just um she just had like different things going on so it's kind of like we all had different approaches and I kind of feel bad for my parents because like like my oldest sister is 10 11 years older than me so when I left the house they had 32 years of kids in the house which I don't know how they did because I think I would be like insane by that point. And we all had very different issues of like how we interacted with our parents. So they got, they got the gauntlet of just like kids attitudes. Oh, all four of us were like super different too. Yeah. That's like, huh? I guess (laughs) I feel bad for my parents, honestly, like with how, cause like, you know, sometimes like kids are like kind of similar, you know, Yeah, for sure. And they, but, like, ours were, like, so different, and all of us had, our like, our own separate issues with, like, the family and stuff. It was just, like, whew. Yeah, your parents, um, they must be some pretty solid people if they can handle that. I don't know how they did it. Yeah. I honestly don't. That's the whole I, like, thing think about it. That's why, like, I plan out, like, those arguments with my kids, <laughs> and I'm, like, God, like, if I was, if my kids were anything like me or, like, my siblings, man, I'm just gonna lose it I will yeah you'll pull out all your hair that's how I feel um well Elliot thank you like so 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 much for taking your time to do this um first guest and hopefully yeah I'll talk to you soon yes sounds good yeah man um we'll have a good day yeah you too nice talking to you you too